Yep. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adil Amarsi Unplugged. Season 4 has been great so far, we've had some great guests so far, and I'm going to bring you just another one hell of a badass. I've been following this guy since 2010, uh, it was like two years into my internet uh, marketing journey. Uh, I found James Franco through a couple of friends and just have been stalking him slowly from a distance because, you know, that's what you do when you're online, you slowly stalk, it's fine. Hi, stalkers. I know you're out there. James is basically one of the coolest dudes ever out there. He's mentored so many of my friends. They all love him. And it's an honor that one of my friends actually put us together and said, hey, you two should be on the same show. Adil, why don't you interview him? I said, hell yeah, well, you don't have to ask me twice. And uh, a few days later, here we go. We've got James and, oh, we've got James online with us. James, thank you for being here. Hey, thank you. And I'm glad we could make our time zones connect, the wonders of the internet. Yeah, tell me about it, right? Where, you're in Australia right now, right? Yeah, so it's summer here in Sydney, and it's early in the morning. And uh, I imagine it's cool and, and uh, evening where you are. Yeah, it's winter and rainy and in London. Uh, and it's <laughs> 9 o'clock at night over here, so we've got about an 11-hour difference between us. The second last time I went to London, it was uh, January, and it was freezing. I just wasn't used to that level of cold. <laughs> yeah, that is um, that is just so funny when you go to like warmer climates and you realize how much nicer it is over there, and then when you come back to a cold climate, it's like, why can't I just live there? I just want to be there. <laughs> and then you realize how much goes into immigration laws and so on, you're like, oh, that's why. But sometimes it's worth it. So, James, uh, you're here today. Just real quickly, uh, I'm just going to do a quick shout out to everyone. So guys, if you are a fan of the show, please click the comment, subscribe, uh, review us on Apple and iTunes. It does help out the show a lot and a great deal. And as always, we're sponsored by AdelMarcy.com. And today's sponsor is JamesShramco.com. That's S-C-H-R-A-M-K-O.com. So check out James's stuff, follow him, get on his list, all the other fun stuff there. Now, I had to get that out of the way just simply because, you know, sponsorships is how we do these. The other thing I was going to say real quickly, um, you've got a book out. I'm just going to go right off the bat here. You actually have a book called Work Less, Make More. Um, what inspired you to write that after, I think, essentially, what, 12, 13 years in the business now? Yeah, I actually tried about five years ago to write a book. And I don't know much about writing a book. Like, I don't write I don't type stuff I do a lot of talking and I hired someone to help me but she kind of froze up and by the time she got back to me with the the outline compiling my information I'd moved past that so I really wanted to do a book and then a lady was sitting in the audience at an event that I spoke at a couple of years ago and she said why don't you have a book and I said well I tried to have a book and and she said, I'll help you. And she's very good at structure and editing and understands the whole process and has published multiple books. So this lady, Kelly Exeter, um, just helped me over the last 18 months get the ideas from all the places that they're in, from courses, from answering her questions via audio uh, to actually editing these little chapters up. And that was a massive project for me. It's way out of my normal sphere of the type of content that I publish, being more of a podcast type. And uh, we got it there. And and also I wanted to dedicate the book to my kids so that they've got a user manual to help them out in life because it took me a long time to compile the ideas and and thoughts 
that have now been put together in this one place, this book. Uh, and you know, I think it's just it just made sense. And a lot of people have been asking, where's your book? When's the book coming out? So it is a relief to have it finally. Yeah, I can just imagine because it's uh, one of those amazing things that very few people really understand how grueling it can be to get that first book out of you. Especially if you're not the type of person that sits down and writes all the time. I mean, I, you know, I've been writing a direct response copy since I was 12, as many of my audience know. Um, and one of the craziest thing, things is when I sit down to write anything, like a blog post, it's so excruciating sometimes. I'm just like, can I just not do a video instead? And they're like, no, you have to do uh, you have to do an actual post. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. Just do a video, rip the audio, transcribe it over and put it online and then edit it. But yeah, I feel you on that one. So with this book particularly, it's it's essentially just a journey uh, and a user manual, as you said, on how you got into business and essentially how to create a business without working too, not too hard, but I wouldn't say like you're not overworking in your business. So you're working on your business, but not in your business, correct? Yeah, it's, if you if you like, I guess it is. There are some concepts there that may be familiar from other books, but it is still a little bit different. Uh, I, I didn't want working from your hammock, uh, you know, with pina coladas type lazy riches. And I'm not like the hustle grind, work yourself to death yeah. type either. I, I think there's some middle ground there for people who have kids who maybe have a job um, or have quit their job and they're into their own business, but sort of hitting that ceiling or not quite getting the results that they were promised or or were hoping for or dreamed of perhaps because they were very excited when they were buying courses and it, this book will unlock a lot of things for that person it'll it'll basically you know each chapter is very very tight and it addresses a new thing that once you stack these things together you get a compound effect so yes it definitely was more or less a an expose of the things that worked for me but more importantly they work for my customers and as you mentioned at the top of the show a lot of high level people came to me before they were uh, kicking butt you know less than a million bucks a year for the guys doing now 10 to 30 million dollars a year and plenty of people who are just starting out uh, who are doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a year uh, so it's really great to see that these things actually work and the best feedback that I've had from my students is they like the book they're like James you've really captured the ideas that you've taught us very well in this one place that's amazing and it's so true because I've read bits and pieces of your book and I have to say it is astounding the information on there because one of the things that you go into that not very many people go into uh particularly chapter four is building a team i mean it's one of the craziest things around about businesses especially that we work digitally um that they don't people don't build a team they think they can do everything on them by themselves yeah if that's the case then they probably identify as a solopreneur yeah uh, in which case they probably don't really have a business they more or less have a job mm -hmm. and you don't get scale without a team and you don't get leverage where you can step back a little bit from the machine like if you are doing all the work that can get a bit tiring and unless you're making at least three times more than you could get paid in a job it's probably not worth it uh, and the, the funny thing about building a team is I think it's kind of a secret 
because for years before I came online, I was running a team. And then when I went online, it was just me. And as soon as I realized, hang on a second, uh, this is crazy. By day in my job, I'm a general manager with a team of 70 people. And at night, it's just me. I really need to build a team again. And over the years, I added back team. And then I sort of forgot that I was good at it. And uh, I, I didn't even identify this as a, an area for training within my own membership until I did a survey using a Ryan Levesque-style ask survey. And team came up a lot. And that's when I put together this fantastic presentation on team. And I presented on on that topic to uh, Mind Valley in Spain and Ezra Firestone's event in San Diego and Ryan's event in Texas and, and, and another guy in Colorado and at my own event. And people really resonate with that because I think it is the secret to scaling. And if you've gone from university to a job and then started your online business, if you haven't been exposed to hiring, and training, and letting people go, uh, then you might find this chapter particularly potent because uh, I've put decades worth of experience into that one and, and I've had so much experience with it. And having built and sold online service agencies, an SEO business and a website development business, I've seen most of the things that can happen and, and I'm aware of most of the things that you need to pay attention to. And I've just put that into one tight little chapter. And uh, yeah, it's the, the only complaint that I've had from one person was that they didn't like one of the words I used in that chapter when I was explaining my special induction training at, at my first sales job. Uh, the story of this, <laughs> it was a pretty hard landing, you know, and mm -hmm. the, my point in the book is that we should be helping people uh, when they start with our business, we should give them a, a very warm welcome and lots of training and uh, maximize their chance of success. That's excellent to know. And someone that actually does come from that world where I didn't actually have any team training of leading myself. Um, it is one of the craziest things when you have to go through interviews, hiring and putting together a team because that's something I found really, really uh, difficult. And that's why chapter four is the one that resonates the most with me because I freaking love that. All the aspects of my business, I'm like, yeah, you know how to create an offer. Yeah, you know how to do all this other stuff. Build a team have no clue how to do that let's go let's go do it correctly because that's my big focus for um 2018 it's building a team and scaling now yeah it's, it's so hard because you're dealing with human beings and uh, you know it's way different than being able to you know just sit at your computer and and do your own work when you have to involve other people there's a whole bunch of other things that happen and uh yeah i, I think I'm really hoping that chapter saves you a whole lot of uh, wasted energy, which can easily happen when you go down that path. You, you might hear horror stories of people saying, oh, I've tried that and it didn't work out. Uh, this will stop a lot of the mistakes. It's really framed as, you know, the mistakes that people make that you could avoid. Yeah. No, I, I definitely noticed that. And something that I definitely look at is, um, and I urge everyone listening to this to always do, um, try something at least once yourself and don't let someone else tell you that it doesn't work because I found a lot of times that people say this doesn't work when I've done it has worked or I've noticed the mistakes of why it didn't work. Sometimes they're completely right. Hey, it didn't work, but 90% of the time, well, 80, 80, 90% of the time people say that 
does they didn't work and they haven't really put it into their all to actually master something i'm like it's usually because they haven't done anything with it it's kind of like oh you know it happened one time i'm done so something i really want to jump into here is how did you actually shift like what well, actually never how did you shift we'll get to that in a moment but how did you actually bounce back from any of the mistakes that you made because undoubtedly we've all made some mistakes but when you made the mistakes how did you protect yourself mentally to to get to that level where you can just be like okay i'm okay i can move a step forward well i, I do, you know i'm not from that school of belief like you know fail fast and all of that i i think you can actually avoid a lot of mistakes yeah it's great to research others and to understand mistakes that have been already made so that you avoid making them yourself for example in uh, um, General Patton used to study the battlefields that he would go and compete on and he was able to win battles because he knew the terrain and he knew what had already happened in that same field hundreds of years before him. So in business, you can go and read books about business and a lot of the learning that I did came from people who wrote fantastic books who weren't even alive but I was able to get the lessons and especially influences like Peter Drucker who was a genius at business strategy and and a real, you know, probably an original leader in that thought field. He had some fantastic ideas in the 60s that are now coming true, like the demise of the formal education system and that we could be paid for our knowledge working from home. Uh, you know, that was pretty radical stuff in the 60s. So I like to avoid the mistake by doing my study and putting in that hard work. If I do something that turns out not to have been the best thing to do the lesson is always in the hindsight that's something that peter drucker talks about you know decision making it's not whether you make it fast or slow um, or, or you know you can do your best to to have a theory but i think it's a lot like sales copy when you put out your sales letter it's a hypothesis and you have a, a theory about how it might go but the only validation is when the market starts voting with their wallet right Right. So same with ideas and business models to some extent and and uh, directions that you could take your business or hiring people. It's just a hypothesis and then it gets proven in time. And then it's what did you learn from that? What is the lesson here? So I would uh, – I love this expression and I don't know who to credit for it, but uh, it's an investment in experience. So if you fail with something, let's say you – Let's say you went out and bought a hundred thousand pounds worth of cryptocurrency today, and then next week it crashes, the bubble bursts, and it's worth one thousand pounds. You could say, well, you just had a ninety-nine thousand pound education in cryptocurrency and in your, you know, greed gland, and mm -hmm. and it just taught you about investing in bubbles. So you can always frame it in a way that that makes it a learning experience. And then you just move past it because, well, okay, I'm, I'm just not going to do that again. And one of my mentors talked about uh, hot plates. He, he said, look, business is like going into a, an unfamiliar kitchen and occasionally you're going to touch a hot plate and get burnt. The trick is not to touch it twice. Yeah. <laughs> like if, and you see this sometimes. People keep making the same mistake. Well, that's just crazy. Yeah, and it's like Einstein's quote, if you're going to do the same thing over and over again um, and expect a different result, that is the definition of insanity. I mean... That's right. Experience is our greatest teacher, but like like you mentioned, 
If you can avoid making the same mistakes everyone else has made by looking and learning from them, you're saving yourself time. It's, I'm glad you're one of those people because it's very similar to the mistakes I've made. M my mistakes are like my own things that I didn't realize other people had made. Like, um, you know, how to charge more for my work or how to get paid royalties or how to set up my contracts in my earlier days of starting business. Cause I was, you know, I was 18, 19 years old when, these, when I started doing these things. And then I read a book by Ogilvy, Confessions of an Advertising Man. Changed my entire perspective on how I do things. I'm like, wow, okay, so people will actually sign a contract to do work with you. That's incredible. Because <laughs> I was like, wait, why would anyone <laughs> sign a contract? But jumping off of that point and directly into something else you mentioned, Peter Drucker is definitely an amazing uh, figure. And I, would, I, was going to, I was going to ask, what would you say would be your top five business books that you've ever read that have made the most impact to you? Uh, maybe The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Mm -hmm. Classic. Uh, it, I think that really helped me navigate the hostile landscape of um, being a pressure cooker. You know, in, in the car industry, at, in a high-level role with crazy bosses. Uh, it, 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 was, it saved me, I think. Um, getting Everything You Can Out of All You Got by Jay Abraham uh, is probably my most dog-eared book. <laughs> uh, I like uh, oh gee it's really tough to pick five I like Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz from a mindset perspective great book as well uh, Peter Drucker had a, had a probably less known compilation there's like 365 days of Drucker or something it's a strategy book where you just look at one thing every day and I think that that helped me a lot too huh. uh, gee I like uh, The Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish Mm -hmm. We must be up to five already. No, no, we got four. We got one more to go. Okay. Uh, um, spin selling. Spin selling pretty much revolutionised my my life. I, I read that book and it it helped me sell in a way better methodology than um, all the other car salespeople. When I started that job, within a year, I was the number one in the country for BMW, wow. and then. Uh, I switched to Mercedes-Benz and within a year I was the number one Mercedes-Benz salesperson. So I, no one was using spin selling for Mercedes-Benz and uh, it was an English guy actually who wrote that book and I got onto that through the people who used to work at Xerox who he pretty much wrote, wrote that for and did a lot of training with. Wow. That's... By Neil Rackham. Yeah, that's a great book. I think I've got it somewhere but Drucker's book is definitely the one they want to pick up because it's... Um, 365 Days of Drug. That just sounds like an amazing book to read. It, it's it's something like that. Uh, forgive me if it's not exactly that title, but I used to have it. Uh, you know how sometimes you read more than one book at once? Yeah. No, I have no yes. clue exactly what that's like. Entrepreneurial <laughs> ADHD does not exist. <laughs> no, I, I basically put books in different places. So that book I would put, uh, I would read when I have my breakfast every morning as a, as a reset for the day. When I was the general manager, I would just read one just one page a day it's that's all it takes and over a year you learn a lot about business strategy and the the trick is of course to execute to to implement that thing as fast as possible and to put it in there i'll give you a bonus book i really like the magic of hiding up uh as a way of of uh, eliminating excess from your life what book is that the magic of lightening up um the, the magic 
the life-changing magic of tidying up oh the, yeah no that is a really good book and uh by the way guys the other book that is the drug book is the daily drucker there uh, you go That's daily the drucker i just had a quick look online for you it's like it's, it, you can get it for like two dollars bargain just order it oh man I've, I, i'm sitting here actually in my office with uh probably there must be close to two thousand books here uh, i'm <laughs> It, they actually collapsed my bookshelf. I had to put reinforcement brackets on the on that. Uh, I'm very, very, very thankful for those books because whenever I took on a new role or whenever I wanted to learn a new discipline, I would just go and buy five books on the topic and then strip mine them. And if I liked an author, I'd read everything they had. So I actually ordered all the copywriting classics in this huge box came from Amazon they actually sent it twice by mistake. The first one didn't arrive. They sent the second one, and then the first one arrived like 10 weeks later. And I gifted that box to a, a good friend of mine who I'd worked with at Mercedes-Benz. And it was every copywriting classic that, that you would drool over. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. I probably would drool over them. I'm, not, he's not, <laughs> we're not even like joking. I was literally, quite literally Yeah, it was over like them. the Claude Hopkins and the, you know Dan Kennedy and... Robert Bly and all these fantastic books. Yeah, they're amazing. I mean, like right now, I th I'm in my living room, and this is just the majority of my book collection because the other book collection had to be sent back to my parents' place because I was moving around so often. Uh, I'm about four hundred books in this living room, and I gotta tell you, I know exactly what it's like. I think I've spent more money on um, bookshelves than I have anything else that I own, except for my piano. That's the only other thing I've spent a lot of money on. Um. But it's such a, it's, you've named so many great books there. Now, kind of going off of that, I do want to ask you something, like, a little bit off the topic of what we've actually had, and that was, you said that your kids are your greatest motivation, and you've mentioned it in the book as well. What, have they always been that motivation, or did it just get to a point when, like, previously you were somewhat motivated, had kids, and it was like, wow, motivation excess, or what was that like? No, it's, uh, you know, I wouldn't be living the life I live now if I didn't have the kids because, uh, you know, early on in the book I talk about this time when I was um, quite young, got married fairly young, had kids pretty young. First kid came out when I was about 24 and I really needed to at least double my income and that's what propelled me into sales. And that sales role was so difficult, I wanted to quit a lot but I couldn't I had no choice it was a, a full-on external motivator as a responsible parent I just didn't have a choice at that time it certainly didn't seem like I did so I'm not joking when I say they're the, the motivation <laughs> because I would not have achieved what I've achieved without them if I had not had kids I would have taken an easier path there's absolutely no question about it so they they pushed me at an early age into an environment where I, I managed to have that complete hero's journey, you know, break through all the struggles mm -hmm. and rise to the top. And the momentum that you get from that, I've been able to carry for, gee, two decades. And it's not to be <laughs> underestimated. It, it is a long game. And by locking in wins and, uh, and then racking up the wins, you can actually sort of you can attract better customers. You can feel more confident with your pricing. You have more certainty about things like leaving a job or um, what business direction you want to take things or even selling your business. Uh, all these things are quite big deals and you just build up that machine. So 
yeah, I think kids completely changed my life. Like everything happens. You need a bigger house, an extra car. Uh, you got to buy a lot of nappies and food and prams and things. And, and you know, the kids are still uh, engaging me um, financially and and uh, stimulating discussions and and uh, surprising me with their abilities and adventures in life. So it's it's fascinating. It's the longest project that I've worked on really that my first kid is now 22 years old wow and it's an, an absolutely avid uh, guitar player in a band you're probably familiar with John Carlton yeah I know Carlton uh, quite well right so he's a really good friend of mine and when he was in my house about eight it was about eight years ago now he saw my kid playing a guitar hero and he said, get that kid a real guitar. And and it started from then. And he would send prescriptions about which guitar we need to get, um, what the rules of the band sh- should be. And uh, each year, my son would send a, an updated video of him playing. And then Carlton would send the next prescription. And over time, my son developed, um, you know, different sort of abilities. He Carlton made him get an acoustic guitar because he had to learn to to, to use that guitar not just the electric guitar and uh yeah it's just great to see him exploring the world now uh, with that confidence and and supreme ability compared to you know what might have happened was work you know coming up in a less entrepreneurial family oh most definitely it's incredible what you impart to your family members not just your kids but the family members close around you when you start living your truth so to say now one thing I did I did wonder, and I kind of really want to touch upon, um, is you are, first, above and most of all, you're a very respected entrepreneur because you have literally created, uh, you've coached thousands of business owners online. You've helped them all. So many of my friends create that kind of business where they've got a rock-solid foundation to what they do. Now, in your opinion, very quickly, what would you say would be the three keystones? What I quickly you can take as long as you want the three keystones um to actually having a foundation correct for your business uh well i I would say first and foremost integrity like that that if you look up integrity uh in the dictionary it probably says something that could be relied on or it's like solid in structure having having an integrity value is the foundation like if you're a shifty character, then you know there's a special place in hell for you. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I think that's what helped me stand out. I mean, I I was uh, for some time selling cars, and there's a ne- negative stigma around that. But I was different to everyone else. I cared about the customer, which I'll say is number two. If you have a, a focus around solving problems and adding value to people and helping them be better off, which is really my definition of selling. Selling is just helping someone be better off. Then that means you're only serving people who can be better off and you, you don't let people buy from you if they're not going to be better off. Um, and that will preserve your reputation. So I think one of the reasons I have a good reputation and, and I'm thankful for that is I've not put a foot to the side to ever do anything to upset my customers. Like I've always put their needs above my needs and I've acted in their best interest because I am a custodian of, of them. I've got a duty of care to them. And Jay Abraham talks about this, yep. about preeminence. So I, I've had a customer focus. I, I've had a lifetime customer focus. So I'm happy to set up recurring programs where I could serve that customer forever. 
And so I've come to it with, with good values, which I'm sure my parents had a lot to do with. I have a, a customer focus. And then the, the third thing I would say, and this is essential, and people really go off the rails with this, is to be extremely comfortable and embrace change. If you can handle change, then you'll have confidence and you'll have resourcefulness. If you can't handle change, you'll be one of those people who whinge and cry when someone shuts down your account or you know, the, the inevitable misadventure arrives in your life. Things don't always work to script. Like you, you can't uh, positively hope for things to go. You know, I don't really believe in, in this overly optimistic scenario where you can just dream your dreams and they'll just all magically happen. I think life does throw a lot of grenades at you and, yeah. and dealing with them and anticipating them. And if you go back to Drucker, he talks a lot about innovation I'm constantly innovating because I'm aware of the the existence of change and I embrace change and that's why over the last decade at least I've been able to navigate my online business into sweet spot after sweet spot because I can I, I'm constantly using an, another uh, mentor Ally Goldratt talks about the theory of constraints but I'm constantly using that exercise of constraints you know what if my business can't survive the way that it survives in the future um, what would I do and then I start thinking about that in advance and even being a super affiliate I learned about this because offers tend to fade fairly quickly yeah. whatever you're promoting now or whatever's a hot product may not be the case next year so you want to think about what what might be the next move and you might want to start it before you need it in the same way that you should hire people before you need them yeah that's always a true case right there if anything, I've learned that. And something that you did mention that I do want to touch upon. If you are a super affiliate, don't whore out your list. Keep your list above all else, like constantly friends with you. And something that we mentioned earlier, a very good friend of the show is Ryan Levesque. And I like his ask methodology because it allows you to segment your list into knowing exactly what their area of business they want to improve. Do they want more productivity? Do they want to create a team do they want to are they starting out whatever it is and everywhere they go you can you, you will find an offer that's correct for them and like you said you plan for it ahead before anything actually happens so you have a contingency plan in place the problem therein um unfortunately with a lot of super super affiliates and i say problem in their quotes is um they promote too much to too wide of a group and it burns some of their best customers at times because their customers are like, well, you just sold me this thing last week. Why do I need to buy this new thing? Again, that, com- that walks away from integrity of constantly having your customer's best interests at heart. Yeah, well, I'm, some people are just purely greedy and selfish. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're all selfish. Let's not let's not be mis <laughs> let's misconstrue that. Like we're, of, yeah, we, yeah, we know we, we are, are very selfish. We, we we're self seeking organisms like that's how we survived over the other species that were on the planet at the same time as us we beat them because we're kind of monsters <laughs> we'll go to the, down to the watering hole at dusk and and get the animals the other ones were all um really good at having conversations and solving issues we were just hunting uh so i i mean i've i've read some of the the history on this and spoken to a client of mine who was a professor of anthropology and he said yeah we're, we're pretty bad <laughs> yeah um but I tell you who the the benchmark for what you're talking about would have to be Andre Chaperon, who 
is really good at segmenting out his very small database into hyper interested people. So he's he will give you the choice to follow a certain promotion at each turn. And if you choose to accept the next phase, then you'll get the next communication about it. And if you don't, then he'll leave you alone with that. And that's how he preserves his small list. And uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. And Andre was the person who referred Ryan Levesque to me in the first place because I've coached both of them and they are masters at what they do. So I've been so privileged to have a front row seat to the way they operate and certainly some of their some of their things have uh, made their way into my business and a great example would be my homepage at superfastbusiness.com. That was a direct result of having spending more time with Ryan and, and sitting at his ask uh, workshop in Texas there, I, I was motivated to really get into that next level of segmentation. You don't start there, but as soon as you can get there, it's a fantastic thing to do. And it's something we used to do when we were selling motor vehicles was to find out what the person was interested in because you had to sift through 70 potential models that you could recommend to find the right one. Yep. And it just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, one everyone wants to buy something, but they want to buy something that they feel uh, that they can actually not just afford, but like really that is for them. And if you've got everything on offer, sometimes too much can scare people off. Well, it's definitely been proven in that jam test. Para analysis paralysis, eh? Yeah. But people buy, people buy to be better off. It's as simple as that. So if you can help them see the natural choice that that will allow them to be better off, then there's not much selling involved. It's really just you creating that adventure for them where they can clearly see that moving forward makes sense for them. And that's when they start asking the right questions. You know, when can I have it? Um, how do I join? I mean, shut up and take my money. Those sort of things instead of, oh, gee, I don't know. I want to check with my wife. Uh, accountant slash uh, I'll think about it maybe next year or our budget's used up for this quarter or whatever um, so I'm sure as a copywriter you would relate to what I'm talking about entirely it's so on so many levels uh, like being there now something real quick that you did say that I do want to touch upon because it's a question I get asked far too frequently that I kind of know an answer to but to some people it's just stumped me like I'm talking about very similar to like I'd say I'd equate it similarly to you, where they have such a wide skill set of what they can do and what they can teach and how they can actually create so many different things. It's the question of, obviously, building a list is important, and we have touched upon that, but building a mailing list of uh, people that you resonate and can talk to, it all starts with a free giveaway, you know, what you can give away. Uh, as in a value proposition to get them onto your mailing list so you guys can exchange information and talk and all the other fun stuff. The question here is how do you zone how do you zone into that one particular thing that you can solve? Because there's if you know how to solve like ten problems, how do you find the one that's right to go forward with? Or do you create just ten separate PDFs, uh, ten different uh, op, what was it free giveaways in order to get people to opt in and see which one performs the best? Yeah, so I would I fit into that category of being a generalist. Yep. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not the guy for one particular thing. So it's it's kind of funny because now I'm getting more known as um, the person that a high level person will go to to get a high level. And so for me, I embrace that generalism, and I work in a vertical 
um, sorry, horizontal instead of a vertical. So these specialists, they're on their little verticals, you know, the Facebook guy or the YouTube guy or the website guy. I'm more of a horizontal. I'm like, okay, when you're making $200,000 a year profit, that's when I'd love to help you, you know, dramatically improve that. So I have a minimum cutoff point. So now I'm aiming at a specific type of person by uh, income criteria. And the other segmentation that I do is by challenge. What sort of challenge? So I've I've bucketed, to use Ryan's term, my uh, the typical challenges that my audience are having into four segments. And from the homepage onwards of my website, they're segmented into one of those four buckets. And the next question about income will segment them into uh, one of three different products. So I'm, I'm doing two segmentations there that help me move people to a potential of six different landing pages and those six different pages are offering um, tailored things for the specific challenge and the specific income level and in terms of blog posts and podcasts which I uh, would say is my absolute number one traffic and conversion method we do make a special resource for every single post and then we use one of those four category tags for that post so in simple terms we've got four main themes that uh, that I'll cover and, and the best place to find them of course is to do that ask survey and the single most important challenge question and other places to go are your help desk to see what people are asking or your email or when you go to conferences write down the things people ask you so when I when I did a mastermind at Darren Rouse's pro blogger event mm-hmm. I wrote down all the questions they asked me over a day and that gave me 12 blog posts and I'm really hitting my market square on with that because these are totally valid questions from my audience. Like the question you just asked me actually is a, is a great question and one that stumps people. Uh, so every piece of content on my website, every blog post is a sales page. And that means by the time someone gets to my actual sales page, all the heavy lifting has been done. And that's how I get away with making millions of dollars of sales each year without being a copywriter. <laughs> because I'm putting, I'm just focusing more on relevancy, and the pre-marketing stage is much uh, stronger because I have regular frequency. And aside from the email list, I would encourage you to look beyond that and and see what sort of multiple subscriptions you could have someone uh, be on. For example, I've got people on uh, iTunes subscriptions, so they get a push notification when a new podcast arrives. I've got people on a push crew subscription, so when we update the website, it'll do a desktop notification. I've got people who are signed up to my app receiving a little alert when there's a new post. And then, of course, we chase a few Facebook uh, page likes and uh, YouTube subscribers. So, the, And aside from that, you've still got your remarketing lists available to you. So there's a lot of places you can catch people if you can't get their email address. If you can get all of those and you've got a super fan, but even if you can get just one or two of those, then it gives you some protection. Uh, and and I should say that I don't have a huge email list. It's probably around 16,000 email addresses, and that's mm-hmm. enough to power a significant seven-figure business. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You've built a great relationship with your list, and you don't need hundreds of thousands of people like you did in the old days because back in those days it was like – okay, let's get the biggest list we can. It's really about the relationship that you build 
would set the list. And that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that, by the way, James. And I, I wouldn't say you're a generalist, personally. I'd say you're similar. <laughs> what do you think I am? <laughs> I'd say there's a term that I came up with because we all start off as generalists, then we go into specialists, and then a lot of people stay specialists. It's when you go up a level. And beyond that, you're, you're, a, general, you're, a, you're a generalized specialist, meaning you work horizontally, but you're really good at what you do. So, like, someone come to you for yeah, different I was, pieces. Yeah, I, I think I was on a similar page. I would say I'm, I'm a specialist generalist. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it, it would appear that the value that I offer most of my customers is a, a higher-level overview, um, looking for, for gaps and blind spots because I've seen most of the scenarios that they're in and they're only seeing a portion of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm good at recognizing the patterns and the pitfalls and the leverage points just from having cross-pollinated all these different industries and working with people for long enough, um, a la Jay Abraham, who, yep. who really is uh, a very creative and uh, cross-pollinator. It, it's, a, it's a good role to play. And I like not having to be too specialized in Facebook ads or whatever. I'd rather just refer someone to a, an amazing Facebook provider instead. Yeah. Essentially, you've got enough to be deadly but and know your stuff, but you kind of like, I don't want to jump into this. I can I can spot out the good people in the crowd and refer them to you. Yeah. Which is a great way of doing it. Thanks All for right. sharing. That was, that was interesting. Yeah, well, it, it is the way I see it because, you know, you have a specialty, but more importantly, you're kind of like so good at so many things that you, it transcends. Um, oh, now, and I was going to just add the, the, the bonus cherry on top of that question. Now, the answer is um, get someone to help you make a book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because that really was one of our biggest challenges was how do we take a decade's worth of content dozens of courses, hundreds of podcasts, and turn that into a document. Like what's our hook? What's our promise? Um, what things will be in there? One of the names of the book that, that it could have been was the one that people know me for the most, which might have been Own the Race Course, and that didn't even make it into the book. We just made a separate chapter that people download from my website because it's the most likely to, to have the technology changes. And I wanted the book to be evergreen. Mm-hmm. And you know, another title that could have been was No Compromise, but it ended up as a chapter instead of the book title because most people aren't going to understand what that means. So it, it was a hard process. But I think more than ever, now I, I think I do help people work less and make more. So it, it was an honest title and something that we deliver on. And I've never actually known what I am until now. Like even a year ago at all, it was hard if I'm at an event, like they say, what do you do? I'm like, well, I have an SEO business. I have a website development business. I coach business owners. I'm an affiliate. Um, I've got a surfing website as a publisher. Like I've got different projects. I even do revenue share deals like a copywriter does, but on a general nature. And now it's just so much simpler. So. And another answer is maybe you can uh, kill off some of the areas that you're putting your attention in and just pick the ones that you like the most and have less things and life becomes much clearer and less foggy. Yeah, it really does. And thank you for that advice, James. It's incredible. It's been like incredible spending this time with you. Um, 
and I'm not gonna ask you the question. I love asking everyone on my show because I think you've already answered so many amazing questions. I don't want to overload people with it, but I will give this piece of advice to everyone listening. This is one of those one of those episodes that I would recommend everyone go back to the start, listen to it, and actually hear James's words. Two, get on this man's mailing list, and three, really start looking at everything in by his book. I mean, it's an incredible read. Um, I'm only a couple of pages, I'm only a couple of chapters into it and I'm already enjoying it. Uh, chapter four, obviously being the one that I'm going to be probably reading far too often <laughs> and uh, making a ton of notes on. So I apologize for uh, defacing said book with all my squiggles and notes because I, I, I'm... Oh, you uh, should. I've, I've written all through my books. <laughs> I, I don't think a book's doing its job unless you're writing on it. It's... It's absolutely your book to to scribble on, and uh, um, I'd be proud of someone scribbling and writing on it. it means they've actually read it because I, I I can't remember the stat, but someone who I spoke to recently was telling me about instant reads, these short books, and she said some amazing stat like ninety seven percent of people don't get past the first two pages or something. I think mean, that's that's a shame. Like we know the cover sells the book, but I want people to read the book and apply the book and tell me what happens because I'm pretty excited about uh, the results that are, are going to come for someone who does that. And, and the commitment would be around about two hours, I'm told. That's what uh, Kindle suggests, two hours to read the book. Wow. Yes, it's a very short read. Yeah, it's not I, – I like there's not a single line of fluff. Yeah, no, I've <laughs> noticed it's I, very – those ones where they take ten bullet points and expand it into a long, oh, you know, don't don't even book. don't don't get me started on those books. I have a really hard time reading books like that because um, it's very similar to like all my programs or anything I've created. I'm guessing very similar to your programs. Is the philosophy is okay? Let's get out the let's get the fluff out. Let's get to the actual meat and bones of the thing. Let's let's get right down to the actionable stuff that makes sense. Let, let's not hear about why cats and dogs are the most amazing creatures in the world. Let's get down to why I need to do this thing or how to apply it. I agree with you entirely. But James, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's early morning on a Saturday over there for uh, to be with us today. Um, and I can't wait for everyone that's out there to listen to this show. And most importantly, go check out James's book, which should be on sale. Uh, when's it come out? Like, in, to public yeah you can buy it on amazon now if, if amazon.co.uk amazon.com amazon.com.au um, thankfully we already reached bestseller status which is like mind-blowing hey congratulations <laughs> to me. had absolutely no expectations about um you know the rankings or earning from the book but uh yeah it, it's pretty crazy actually uh, um, and I hope the momentum stays there because I would like to uh, I'd like Amazon to do its job and to keep promoting the book but there's even uh, reviews on amazon.co.uk you can you can check those out if you're even slightly skeptical as to how the book might help and and I do come over to that market uh, regularly so uh, you know I've got some great customers over there and I love to attend meetups and things so it's it's um, been a kind market to me, and I think there's some of that. There's some of that uh, colonial friendship, you know. We have a yeah. lot in common because we came from there. Well, a lot of us did. Yeah, most definitely. I'm, I'm sorry for that. Uh, 
just because it is a thing and we have to have the Aussies back here every so often. I say that most of my friends are Australian, <laughs> so I freaking love it. All right, guys, um, <laughs> definitely check out this books. I'm in book. I'm giving you guys my recommendation as someone that has actually read and is reading through this book. It is definitely one of the best books I've read this year, which is really saying something considering you guys know what authors we've had on. Um, and now by the time, actually when this comes out, it'll be 2018. So yeah, guys, go back. I've probably read this book like six times when the show comes out and um, probably applied a crap ton of it already to my business. Uh, James, thank you so much for being here and I appreciate you so much for taking the time. It would be an honor to have you back on the show in the future. Guys, go check out James's uh, site, jamesfranco.com. Invest in, just be ingrained into his teachings because they're so powerful and the strategies he gives out are so incredibly profound. So go do that if you really want to start making your business grow um, and shift it back on track where you're not working by yourself all the time. Um, yeah, so guys, go check out jamesramco.com. Cool. So I will see you guys on the next episode of Alan Marcy Unplugged. James, thank you again, my friend. Thank you so much for hosting this and having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great having you on. Take care, guys. And I'll see you on the next episode.